Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 91st episode of the Truth Island podcast. In a previous podcast that I did with Kenny, we discussed whether or not it was fundamentally possible to change human nature. However, perhaps an even more basic and simpler question that we should dive into is, is it even possible to change another human being? Our collective media is filled with a ton of stories of former delinquents, drug addicts, and people with some rough histories having moments of clarity and completely changing around their lives. In some iterations, the person experiences some type of danger, trauma, or loss that prompts them to change their ways. But how exactly does this happen? Are we as loved ones or people that are highly concerned in a position to really do anything to help or change another person? The question remains an extremely important one as many of our institutional systems such as education, counseling, prisons, or even those heart-to-heart -heart conversations that we really believe are going to make a difference. But do any of these things actually work? Are all the countless hours, days, and maybe even years that we throw into a person really worth it? Or is perhaps the best medicine of all to simply just walk away? Helping me to determine whether or not we can change people, I am joined by Trisha. Trisha, I have some thoughts on the issue. Let's see if you can change my mind. All right. So I'm happy to be here and to discuss this very important topic because I think it really touches on the heart of what most relationships deal with. Most people, whether we like to admit it or not, we want to change people, change people for the better, change people and influence them in ways that benefit us, dare I say. <laughs> and um, I think that especially now where we have some time on our hands due to COVID, a lot of us are going down memory lane and planning for our futures. And so it's really important to answer those questions that you just asked. So I want to I want to trust uh, touch on something you just said, and that's this idea of changing people for our interest. And when we think of changing people, we always think of it coming from a place of altruism, right? Like, hey, hey, you're engaged in some very dangerous and fiendish behavior. I'm here to change you for your benefit. But in many of these relationships, whether it be family or friends, there's also an incentive for us to change that person because we kind of want a better person to interact with. So it's not, it's not like we're just changing this person for purely their benefit. We kind of want to create a more agreeable character that, that we can have in our lives. Is, is that fair to say? Not only is it fair to say, but my opinion is maybe an outlier, but I would take it a step further and say, it's almost never for the other person, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm willing to go into that and defend that. I think that for the most part, changing ourselves is hard enough. If we put all our energy into that, we would have so much less time to change or try to change other people that it begs the question, what is the payoff for us to be spending so much effort trying to change someone else? It could not be that altruistic. Now, this is, now, now, now we're going to get into some, I, you know, I, I, I know you come from a psychology background, so I'm going to have to drag you a little bit through the philosophical waters. I hope you're okay with that. Because I'm ready. When, because when we talk about changing somebody's, people have different value systems 
installed within them, right? So I might have like a, you know, wealth is good value system, right? Like I might be like a highly money oriented person and your value system might be somewhere else. So in this change, right? There's always like the person trying to do the changing in some ways believes that their value system is of a superior nature, right? And, and let's just say that we've got like a, a wife, for example, right? And her, she does have a value system of money, right? Let's just say that's a part of her value system. And her hubby, uh, he likes to just play a little video games and, and, and take life a little bit easy, right? Have a little fun. The wife thinks, well, I'm doing a good thing by imparting my my value system onto my husband so that he'll work harder. But that's that kind of goes with the the, the presumption that that her value system is a superior value system. Yes. And in that scenario, changing him is not only for his benefit based on her value system. It's so that she can have a quote unquote better husband. Yes. There's no altruism to be had. I think coming from, so I'm a licensed mental health counselor and a licensed professional counselor. And one of the counseling orientations that I use is unconditional positive regard. It's a Rogerian concept and it's basically giving people your respect under the assumption that they are inherently good for themselves and assisting them in reaching the changes that they want to reach because they identified what it is that they did not like about their experience or could no longer appreciate about their experience. And they then are intrinsically motivated to change. So with that in mind, when someone wants to change someone and they come to me in therapy and tell me about it, I often ask them to look inward and see what is it really that is unacceptable because your choice to engage with this person was your choice. It met some need. And so with the very rare exception of parenthood, which I also counsel parents who also try to change their adult children, (laughs) the reality is with the exception of parenting children, where I believe philosophically your role is to mold them, once you're dealing with like other adults, there really is not a healthy room to be demanding change when you met them that way or when that's what they want to do. The better thing is to change your own self by either moving forward, moving away, or adjusting to what that person wants to do. But that choice is yours. Changing someone else you're trying to take their choice from them, in my opinion. I, I think that's that's really beautifully said, and I, I think that's true. And uh, 
you don't have to answer this, but I, I think this idea of going to therapy, like, like I, I almost feel like it's a form of, of deflection in a way that you're going to therapy and you're sitting in the therapist's chair and saying, no doc, it's not me, it's everyone. Like I need to change all of these other pieces around me to, to, to make my life more congruent or more happier and so forth. And I, I think that that, that's like 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 it, it connects to this idea of stoicism is that you're trying to change pieces of furniture that are nailed to the ground right mm -hmm. and, and and you're you're thinking that if i just move this desk that's nailed to the ground i'm going to be happier when in actuality you're you're kind of defeating the 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 uh the psychoanalytic process if i'm not mistaken tell me more oh my god and i feel like i'm uh, I'm, I'm having a session here <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that, you know, like, okay, you know, I, I'm thinking of it this way, like, I realize, like, as I get older, right, I, I realize the way that I perceive this world has more to do with me than the actors that are in there, right? And then people will be like, well, that's a wonder, that's a wonderfully narcissistic, selfish outlook, right? But in, in a way, it's Tell like, me why, wait, why? I think that's a really important way to look at it, because that is, we only experience the world based on our individual phenomenological experience. I guess I, I don't see it as narcissism because, you know, I realize that that's, I've come to the conclusion that that's the only variable that I can really change is myself. So I, yes. I, I've logically come to that conclusion in that sense. Other people might say, well, that's just, you know, you lack the empathy or the caring of others. Like, aren't you worried about so-and-so? Aren't you worried about this person? Aren't you worried about that person? You're only concerned about your own self-growth. And I think that's, you know, maybe that's a talking point that exists more in society of like, well, you know, it's good to care about yourself, but you ought to care about others and what they're doing. And you need to worry a little bit more about them. Talk me through how you would talk to that person because they, they are making a very like genuine set, what seems like a sensible argument. So tell me how we talk to that person. Okay. So the first thing I would gently point out is worry. Now, the word might have been just thrown around, but I think every word has meaning and is used on purpose, whether we realize it or not. And I do think there's this myth that worrying about somebody changes them in some way. So when people try to change someone, they worry about them. Mm. I have a saying that help is not help unless it is helpful. <laughs> I love and it. worrying about someone Okay, it may make them feel supported, but supporting them would be a much more efficient way to help them change. And so being concerned about oneself, I think, is a prerequisite in order to effectively influence others in a positive way, because most people, let's be honest, you're not going to influence me if you have not even figured anything out yourself. I don't want to be like you if you're lost and confused. And so being concerned about yourself and caring for yourself as a prerequisite for communicating concern and caring for another, I think is so much more efficient than worrying about other people. Now, I think what I would say to that person is perhaps what they're really asking is how to integrate 
their concern for themselves and their concern for others. And again, I think the first step, and again, we're talking about adults, like specifically developmental stages, 25 and up. And so if that's the case, making sure that you are setting healthy boundaries for yourself helps you to set healthy expectations of others based on who those people are. When we're more needy and codependent and immature, we really need these people to change. It feels like a need, like air, like food, like water. And so when they are being themselves and their stages of change or the lack thereof, we feel personally slighted. We feel personally affected. However, and again, I'm philosophically trying to come from a place of reaching towards self-actualization, which is in fact very individual. So I will admit I'm coming from a very individualistic lens, which may not match different, you know, more communal cultures and things like that. But especially in America, in a culture that I find to be hyper-capitalist, very individualistic, meritocracy, all of these other things where you almost have to have real grit in order to thrive. I think the best way to relate to people is to be your best self as an influence to basically have people be inspired to want to change intrinsically. You know, it's funny that what you're expressing is a sentiment that I've heard so many times on this show, like lead by example, lead by example, lead by example. You, you just have to get your act 100% together. And then people will just, you know, see this, this radiation of happiness and see this radiation of like, you know, uh, of, of, of you functioning very well. And then people are going to be like, hey, that guy's really happy. I kind of want a piece of that. Let, let's see what he's doing and start emulating that as opposed to like the preaching model of like, hey, you ought to do this. Final thing I want to say on this particular thing, is it ever okay to maybe have genuine concern for another person and just say, hey, it looks like you're going through a rough time. Can we, you know, how about you bounce some ideas off of me? Do you want me to help you problem solve? I'm wondering if is even that like too, too aggressive? Like, like, because I'm really wondering, because when we think of people that are, are like, like in the first instance I gave with the wife and the husband, right? That's an issue of values, right? Like one person has a value system and they're trying to basically usurp. Yeah. Impose, right. Exactly. Impose their value system onto someone else. And that's a very imperialistic, not a nice thing to really do. But what happens when you see someone that's like writhing on the floor in pain? Like they clearly need help. They clearly need some kind of guidance or they clearly, they're really asking for it, I guess. How, how, how is that situation the same or is it different? So I'm definitely going to touch on that. I do want to backtrack a little and touch on a a couple of the other things. Number one, I want to say for the record, I don't believe anyone, not Gandhi, not Mother Teresa, <laughs> not anyone, especially in our recent lifetimes, was 100%. So the whole concept of like, be 100% so you can change people. No, you can't change people <laughs> anyway, no matter what. But um, with the 100%, that is too perfectionist. Nobody needs to be 100%. If you are striving for your best self, 
for some people, it will be inspiring. And with the husband and wife thing, the sort of secret sauce there is that I would ask the hardest question, was this person like this when you married them? Why did you choose to do that? <laughs> so, but now to the more um, recent question you asked, absolutely. Showing genuine care to me is almost mutually exclusive from trying to change someone. I feel that trying to change someone is an imposition of your will on someone else. Mm -hmm. And showing genuine concern is literally opening a conversation for them to assert what they will or want to do. And if you genuinely are concerned about them and you understand that true change only comes from within, which is my opinion, then at best you can support, show care, and influence or inspire. But people change when they're ready to change, when they're not forced to change by others, in my opinion. Now, I, I love what you're saying here, and, and this is actually a discovery that I underwent very recently because there are a lot of people in our lives who serve as good listening ears, right? But then they they kind of say, well, here's what you ought to do, or here's, you know, here, if I, or, you know, the popular phrase is like, you know, man, if I was you here, you know, I would, you know, and like, the person may not even realize, the person giving that advice may not even realize that they're imposing their will onto another, right? Like it's sometimes, sometimes it's direct. Sometimes it's definitely an overt, like, oh, this person's vulnerable. Let me convert them to my way of thinking. Like sometimes it's really direct and overt. Other times it might just be like, I'm noticing that some people just solve every problem through their own lens or through their own way of looking at the world. And then they may not, they, they may not be like that pernicious in their attempt. They may think that they're doing a good thing by giving someone helpful advice, but they can't help but look through the world through their own biases and their own lens and their own like value system. So, but I want to clarify yeah. the example that you gave of someone saying, Hey, you know, if I were you, I would do X, Y, Z. I don't think that that's an imposition. Okay, I okay. think that that can absolutely be supportive. To me, the defining factor is, do you require this change or do you accept this person if they do not change? Mm. That is the real question. So if you see someone writhing on the floor, you see somebody <laughs> in need, I believe it's more genuine care when you don't want that for them. You genuinely don't want that for them. That's not your value. But if this person tells you that this is what they want, you can go ahead and tell them, well, look, you know, I would do this differently because that really is different than saying you better do X, yes, Y, Z. Yes. It's not an ultimatum. Like for instance, ultimatums, I tell my clients and I tell myself, whenever you get to a point where you feel that you need to give an ultimatum, it has indicated that you have lost control of your own self. Okay. I want, hold on though. 
let, let's go back to our wife and our husband. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say that wife is like, you know, sweetheart, I love you so much, but wouldn't you be happier if you earned a little bit more money and bought that nice boat that you wanted to always get? So th- there is a way, there is like a manipulative spin that, that, you know, that this could be done with, like, like you could, you could like, like, I don't think that's manipulative. I think, no, that's, that's not, not <laughs> I think that's, I think there's a little manipulation in there because you're, if it's true, would he be happier if he was able to get the boat that he wanted? That's a good point. That, that, that's a good point. Sometimes the answer is yes. Like you're, you actually know that person so well that you know that that boat is going to make them happier. Remember but, she's asking a question uh, but, and but, it's, how she responds to the answer that determines where her head is really at. I, I hear you, but I, I hear you on that. But sometimes people like to plant things in other people's minds and, and kind of show them like, isn't this something you would want to, you know, like, isn't it, look how, look how nice this is. And, and like, again, sometimes. I think that's fine. <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> because that you're, you're suggesting, right? The difference between suggesting and imposing, again, is what happens when they say no, right? right. Yes. 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 And so if no is unacceptable to you and you are going to punish someone because they say no to what you think they should change, that is an imposition. Not only is it unhealthy for both parties, it's also super inefficient and unsustainable. However, making suggestions is fair game, in my opinion, inserting different possibilities into someone's consciousness. I actually think those are the ways that you influence people because you give them the opportunity to consider whether that resonates with them and whether within them they can find an intrinsic motivation to change. I like the way that you're, so you're explaining this, like it's not manipulation because you're showing them alternate roads that they could be walking. I think it's manipulation when you are willing to reject or punish the person because they didn't say no when you're pretending to ask a question. Ah, okay. So it's like, you wouldn't like to get that. Well, if you don't get that job to get that new boat, then we're done for or something like that. That's, that's an example of like manipulation because there's a, a punitive bad thing that's going to happen if you don't do as I want. Right. Okay. Gotcha. It's a threat. Now I want to, I've asked some other people on the show this, I'm going to ask, I'm really curious to get your opinion. How many times do you make these suggestions until you become an annoyance or a gadfly. So like, let's say you're, you go through that nice long walk, you got your cup of tea, everything's wonderful. You know, man, you may wanna consider doing this and you say it once, maybe you say it twice. How many times are you allowed to suggest something before you really come across as if you have an agenda? Well, I would look at it a different way. Do you have an agenda? You have it the first time or you (laughs) don't have it at all. And technically speaking, anytime you're trying to influence somebody, there's an agenda. And so I think being clear about that upfront with yourself is the first step. So now that I know, okay, yeah, I want to influence this person because I would like them to do something different that doesn't have to be hidden. Mm -hmm. And I think to be honest, you seem more genuine when you are more direct, in my opinion. You can irritate people more when you're direct. However, 
especially in my practice and even in my personal life, people tend to fall in one or two camps. It's either the directness is offensive because it it pushes on a wall that they're not ready to drop. And that's okay because maybe years later when they are ready to pull down that wall, I know that's what's happened to me. I can think of something 10 years ago, advice that I'm taking now that I'm kicking <laughs> myself saying, oh my gosh, I wasted 10 years of my life. I could have done this. I was not ready to receive it at that time. But because I now am mature enough to move forward with it, I'm able to couple the information that those people gave me with my current intrinsic motivation. And so I don't think that, you know, wanting what's best in your opinion for someone, letting them know it and being honest about it, I don't see anything wrong with it. And I think everything is about boundaries. If you're getting feedback from that person that they do not appreciate what you're saying, I think that is the time to back off. Yeah, I'll I'll give you like an example, like, you know, with my girlfriend and I, sometimes she gives me like subtle suggestions like, hey, wouldn't you like to cook around here a little bit more? You know, like she kind of like goes goes in that, you know, direction a little bit. And I... I'm like, okay, one time is showing me a possibility. Twice is showing me a possibility. When does it come to a point though, where it's like, I'm clearly not ready to walk down that road right now. Like it's just not a road that I'm, I'm, I'm willing to walk down right now. And by you constantly asking it, it's like, we're, we're already at an exhaustive level because I, I think that you, you, there's no consequence, right? There's no directive. There's nothing punitive in, in, in her asking that question. There's not some consequence that's going to befall me, but when does it become a point where it's like, clearly I'm not walking down this road right now. We kind of need to, to end this, this, this like line of, of, of like thinking right now. Well, I think it depends. Is she cooking or is the alternative that you're buying food for the house? Yeah, it's typically I buy the food and then she does the cooking and 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 that's that's been the arrangement. She also likes cooking a lot and I suck at it. Every time I've tried cooking in the house, she's been like, "Oh, that's disgusting, Aaron. Like like what are you doing here?" <laughs> well, no, I'm saying like if she doesn't want to cook, mm. are you buying takeout? If I, or frozen meals or you know, or I make a sandwich for myself. I am a very What is she going to eat if she doesn't want to cook? she might make a little soup or something for herself. So she still has to cook. Or if, or she could get takeout if she wanted to. Interesting. So I think that's more of a relationship thing. Um, yeah, and yeah, I don't yeah. know if she's trying to change you as much as she's trying to get you to cook. And I think that that also is a distinction, like wanting you to do a task. That's not a change. Like it's, I don't consider that to be a change. Like, I think change is more like fundamental. Like now you have a new way of being. Mm -hmm. So she should probably clarify to herself and to you, is she saying, can you cook tomorrow? (laughs) Versus (laughs) in general, um, you're right. I I got you. I got you. So it's a more fundamental. Okay. Let's go back to, let's say a guy, for example, who has you know a job that doesn't pay all that much but he's happy doing it okay let's mm-hmm. let's go to let's go to that situation and his wife is telling him hey look 
you know, you ought to get a job. Like if you got, you know, you ought to get a job that like pays a little bit more. We could buy a bigger house, bigger space for the kids and all of this other stuff. And she's showing him a possibility. And maybe she's showing him how this job that pays more is going to be more beneficial for the family, for himself, in, in, in many ways that he never thought possible. When does it come to a point where like, my my husband doesn't want to walk down this road right now and it's like he's happy precisely where he is and me 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 constantly reminding him or me constantly suggesting this is becoming more of a new you know uh, like an annoyance than it is something that that's actually going to lead to change so it's hard when you talk about married couples i think that is just like parenting is an exception i think with married couples, that also is a real exception because that is a contractual agreement that the severability thereof is very, it has so many implications. So, you know, I personally and professionally, like I, I've coupled count, I'm sorry, I've counseled couples separately, but I am not a couples counselor. I refer out for that. So with that, I'm just giving you my lens based on a more individual sense. Like I only pretty much work with individuals, even couples separately as individuals. Right. And they say it works for their marriages, but basically my view is just ultra individualistic. And to be honest, I would say, again, this is not as a couples therapist, but let's just say partners, regardless of, you know, whether they were married or not, assume they weren't married. I think that if, you are going to be inconvenienced by someone, it's okay to inconvenience them as well. So it doesn't matter if it's a nuisance, you still haven't cooked, so I'm gonna keep asking. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's the way I see it. But neither one is really changing, at which point somebody has to change for themselves and either Mm -hmm. say, I want to do this or like, I don't. And then you have to ask yourself, so for instance, every thing you you mentioned about consequences, right? I would have to ask, is there a consequence? Are you willing to put in a consequence? Because if there really isn't, why waste your time? If someone is telling you or showing you that they have no intrinsic motivation to change. But But if you you put the consequence though, then we fall into the danger of manipulation because like then... No, because I think life has natural consequences. I think a consequence and a punishment are not the same. So for instance, um, a natural consequence could be, okay, I don't feel comfortable always cooking for you. So basically, if I have to keep doing that, I'm just going to eat with someone else. (laughs) Like, I know that that sounds a little dramatic, but the reality is, I don't think people should do things they don't want to do when things are not reciprocated. And I can almost guarantee that if your girlfriend did that, it would elicit at least a contemplation about what you might want to do differently, whether that's find somebody who's not going to complain about cooking (laughs) or whether that's cook. 
Now it depends. If she went out and had a wonderful time with her girlfriends, okie dokie, you know, like, like totally fine, you know, cool sushi place. Awesome. The girl time is wonderful. Now, if no, she no, did no. The- I'm talking about a more consistent. So that's something I would do. Basically, if I feel like something is a reasonable request and somebody will not accommodate it, I then have to evaluate the relationship. Why is a simple request something that this person is not motivated to do? I have to ask myself, is it that I'm not motivating them or is it that their motivation level doesn't meet my needs? Now, now it's a two-way street though here because I obviously make requests of her that sometimes don't get met, you know, you know, in, in terms of like clean, you know, cleaning things. Like we all have responsibilities and things that we do. And I, I think we tend to gravitate towards the things that we find that we're good at. We find we gravitate towards things that we purposefully find meaning. Like I, I'm a laundry guy. I love laundry. I find mm-hmm. the ultimate laundry is one of my favorite things to do. I find the most rewarding thing. I'm not really a food guy as much. So when I cook, I tend to do sort of a, a half-assed job. Not not because I'm trying to be lazy, but I'm just not like that. Obs- like I don't have that food addiction with like putting in the right spot. And, and taking my time and really doing it properly because it's just not something I think about. But I'm a laundry guy, or you know, there's other things that I like to focus on and put a lot of energy and time in there. And that's why she can consider, okay, is it reciprocation in just a different way? Like, yes, this is this person is bringing something to the table that compensates for them not doing this other thing that I want. And so she may decide that like, you know, there really is no consequence if he doesn't do it. I'll just keep bugging him and she can. And even if it doesn't work, people can say whatever they want. (laughs) That's another thing. So trying to tell someone to stop, quote unquote, nagging you also is changing them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like people are who they are and people have a right to advocate for what they want. Just like in that scenario, the partner could advocate and say, I'm not changing. It's not helpful that you keep asking me this. I do X, Y, Z. Please consider that I do X, Y, Z and I don't want to do that. And it's okay to continuously advocate for yourself, period. If there's laws and rules in the sand about other things, like I, you know, like I doing the, like I do the dishes or I do the laundry or whatever, then that that's something that I'm bringing to the table as like a like a, a resistor to change because it's like hey I'm not changing on this thing but I also provide value in this other facet and in this other area and that's kind of like a it's almost like a bartering tool that we're sort of using right because obviously in every relationship there has to be equilibrium and there has to be balance if it's completely lopsided and that's I, I imagine that relationship isn't going to survive for that much longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I think that at some point in any relationship, the, per, the, the question is, is how do I, not how I change this other person, but is this relationship at a state of equilibrium? I think, is that, is that like a fair thing to say? So that's like, okay, my hubby, you know, doesn't like having this. He doesn't like doing that. However, he does bring this amount of value into this relationship. And I can say, okay, maybe it's 47%, 53%. You know, it's never going to be 50-50. Let's just be real. But like, is it is the relationship at some level of equilibrium that I can sleep well at night? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, whatever your tolerance is, is your tolerance. And, 
even one person can't dictate the tolerance of someone else or else that also is an imposition. So one person may say, okay, this person should change because look at what all I'm doing for them. Mm-hmm. And the other person might say, it doesn't matter like what this person thinks they're doing it's not doing it for me. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I feel like people would do well to be honest with themselves about what they want when they're embarking on relationships and being honest with themselves and being honest with the other person so that you can pretty easily assess if someone's going to meet your needs. It's when you ignore things and then you sweep them under the rug and all these other things. But I digress. I'm not a couples therapist. (laughs) No, no, I like, so, you know, I think one of the the wonderful things that you said, and I think COVID is definitely bringing this out in a lot of relationships, because I think a lot of relationships were predicated on running from place to place, going to Broadway shows and not really dealing with things like core values and virtues, right? Like, like I think I think Broadway shows and trips to the Met kind of like allowed people to remain happily distracted from all of those things. But there is this question that you have to ask yourself when you're meeting a person, you know, and, and maybe may, let's just, I don't know how long it takes to, you could say that you truly know a person, you know, like a month, six months. I don't know what that right number is. Um, but there does come a point where you're like, does what this person have in their current incarnation match what I need from them. That's, that's I love that's, that. I feel like <laughs> if everybody, every friend, every coworker, everybody considering a job, everyone considering an apartment, everybody considering <laughs> a relationship, everybody considering everything would just honestly hold themselves accountable to that question, the world would have a whole lot less hurt feeling. I, I agree. But in this world, there's also regression. There's people, there's people who, you know, you meet them and, and they're like that for a year and then things start regressing. So there is, there are complications here. It's not as perfect as like, oh, I met you like this. Like, okay, it's one thing to meet somebody and, and you're like, all right, well, I pretty much figure who you are and you're not right for me. Adios. Then there's other except, situ- except, except I believe that <laughs> most people do not actually do that. I think most people actually do recognize really serious incompatibilities and continue. So I'm judging by your face that you don't agree. Tell me your thoughts. I think, you know, I, I, if I look at my own life, I'm, I'm pretty much the same dude. Okay. I, there's certain virtues and principles. Like I've never, like, you know, two years ago, I wasn't a bank robber. Okay. Like, you know, like there's certain things that just remain the same about me. However, I I would say that like my personality, I do go through funks and I do go through periods and I do go through stages and things like that. And, and sometimes it's very contextual. Sometimes I'm in a, in a job or I'm in an environment that's very toxic. And some of that toxicity seeps into my blood and, and changes my character here and there, you know, like these things do happen. So you may, and also just from an economic standpoint, suppose you meet somebody and they have a high paying job and boom, they get laid off and that high paying job goes away and they are unable to reclaim a a similar job, you know, so circumstance, all, all sorts of things like that, I think do kind of go through cycles. I think good people remain good people and, and 
bad people. I, I know that, I don't know if that language is, that's philosophy. I'm using philosophy language, but, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that those things pretty much remain static. However, I, I do think that, and, and even what people want out of life sometimes fluctuates, you know, I, I, I think, you know, when you met me, if I was like 20, I'd be like, yeah, I want a PhD in psychology or something. And then it became a PhD in something else. And then, and, and, you know, like, like, I think that what people want out of life sometimes does vacillate and does, and does change. Absolutely. Because we are dynamic beings. We should be hopefully evolving and progressing as time goes on. And so, basically, I don't see anything wrong with that. However, I do think that many people recognize significant lack of the ability for this job, or this person, or this institution, or this decision to meet their needs, and they still go full steam ahead. That if we just worked on that, and when I say we, I definitely mean we, including me, I'm working on that now, being able to really not just say, oh, I guess I could change the situation, yes, or yeah. I guess I can make it work. I think we're all guilty of that. <laughs> no, no, never. Okay, so a, a golden rule here is never think that you can fix a broken car or, or like think that you, you can take a person and make them into your image. And I, I think that, that, that rule we're in perfect agreement. Now I'm gonna use a bit of a trope, um, but let's just say that you've got a business dude, right? And he's pretty static throughout his life. You know, he, he's, he's money oriented and so forth, gets laid off and a series of, of tragic things happen. And, you know, he tells his wife, hey, sweetheart, I really want to be an artist right now, or I really want to pursue this other passion of mine. And there is a fundamental change, right? And the woman did nothing wrong. Like she did nothing wrong because she married the man in his business incarnation and those values completely aligned. But then some other kind of tragedy or some kind of change or shift happened in which that man now has a paradigm shift. How does the other person deal in that situation? Again, I still think that this is a specifically couples sort of situation, (laughs) but I will give my non-clinical opinion. I will give my my philosophical opinion on that. Welcome, welcome to the philosophy side. (laughs) Yes. Welcome aboard. Philosophically, I think that it is important for anyone who embarks on any journey with another person to be as clear as possible as to what they are bringing to the table. So me, myself, I was raised by an immigrant family. I'm a first generation American. Working hard was absolutely a part of my culture. It was the only claim to fame. Education, all of those things were very, very serious in my household. And I had other interests beyond that and I remember you know getting a lot of pushback being told like that is unacceptable like you need to make sure that you are in safe employment situation and then I had to decide to choose one or the other I decided to do both it took a lot of extra work and I had to sacrifice other things but I became a professional in both things. And at the end of the day, if I were with 
job that said, we need you to have 24 seven availability, which I have had jobs that have wanted that. Wow. In in the mental health space, there's often this um, sort of on-call expectation. And I know that my other pursuits are for nights and weekends, and I'm a professional there as well. I have to then say, this is not going to be my needs. And I remember good paying jobs that were, you know, prestigious that were like, but you need to be on call because you'll be in charge of this thing. And I remember having influences, thankfully, that would say, is that really going to meet your needs? Or are you going to be complaining when you have to do that, that you're committing to when you really want to be doing this other thing? Mm. At those times, I'm saying, well, but look at the money, but look at this and like, oh, it's going to help my career and oh, this, oh, that. But I, I think I think you've actually just touched upon something and it deals, it could deal with age. And, and I, I and I kind of, when, you, when you were telling this story, I kind of think of like high school sweethearts and you may meet your high school sweetheart in a certain incarnation but they're going to evolve and they're going to change and they're, and they're going to become, and, and what happens is that sometimes you meet somebody in a current incarnation, but they don't know who they themselves are. And that's, right. and they might that's be, what I'm saying. we're talking to 25 and up, <laughs> you know, like they, they, okay. So I, I guess the 25 and I think that's, that's a golden rule in that, in that, like, if, if you are meeting somebody or so forth, there's, a certain, like, you know, again, I'm not going to, you know, press you on the statistics or anything like that, but if they're 25 and up, there's a certain static, this, you know, like a certain staticness that you can expect from them. Is that a fair assumption to, to have? I think it depends on the individual. So there are different orientations. There are different temperaments. There are some people you can meet and know this person is not going to stay the same. So I need to be prepared for the ride or decide, you know what, it's too much. Like, I really don't want to be following this whirlwind. I need (laughs) something more stable. And there's nothing wrong with either person in that situation. Likewise, there are people who are oriented more towards stability. Stability is a core value that not everyone has. Some people value autonomy. Some people value stability. Some people value other core things. And you can look at a person and they can articulate if they're able to, that I'm not going to be like moving all over the place. Like I'm not, like I don't value that. And it doesn't make them wrong either. It does make someone wrong for themselves if they meet somebody who is clearly oriented toward one way or the other and then ignore that because by ignoring that you are really dehumanizing that person Mm. and then says no I will change them or I will impose my will or if only they get to know me then they will adjust Mm. that is not only unfair it is unwise Okay, so I think I, I think maybe the, the healthiest way to go about this is when you meet a new person or so forth, 
be prepared that in a few months you might be in for a bit of a surprise. You might be in for like, you know, or they might have, like you just described, there's some people that might have like the shifty kind of personality and so forth. Free spirited and all that. <laughs> free spirited, right? <laughs> you know, suit in, you know, tie in business, business suit on Monday and Friday we're in Hawaiian shorts going somewhere. Um, when that big surprise comes out, like surprise, then is the moment where you're like, okay, this person seems to vacillate quite a bit. They seem to have their ups and downs and they seem to be quote unquote free spirited. Now, do I accept that free spiritedness or do I move on? So I think that 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 might be the evolution of thought that that, that needs to occur. Well, I backtracking, I really do believe that it doesn't take a surprise most of the time. Like really, if we put a little bit more effort into paying attention in the beginning, <laughs> I don't think that core values are that hard to notice. I don't think it takes months. And so if in fact you took the time to really get to know someone, recognize their core values, you invested that effort and that time, and then they change, you then need to see were they purposely presenting in a way that was inauthentic and that's a bigger issue regardless of what the inauthenticity was there's that's definitely my opinion i look I, I think there's always red flags that one should be vigilant from but i do also think that there is a honeymoon best behavior phase of any relationship there's always like you know you know absolute best behavior mode and there might be red flags that you can still spot in honeymoon phase but, but I think that that some some people, you know, and I may, maybe I'm gullible, maybe I'm a sucker, I don't know. <laughs> like, but but I think there have been times where someone really put on a solid act. Maybe I was not paying attention. Maybe I didn't have maybe my Maybe you wife. weren't asking the right questions because authenticity really is about consistency in words and action and presentation. So if someone, and again, I, I like to think about it also, not just couples, because there this goes for friendships, this goes for jobs, this goes for, you know, volunteer work, this goes for institutions and organizations that you want to join, this goes for everything. Really, if you, there are books on it, there are tons of books of questions, there are New York Times articles about if you ask these 21 questions, you're going to really get to know someone. If you even just put in the effort to care enough to actually get to know the person, despite or not just the feel good chemicals you get from them in the moment, because I always, another thing I always <laughs> say is people are not drugs, they are not there to be used. <laughs> and so, Yes, enjoy them, but also get to know them. If you really are claiming that you want any sort of legitimate connection that might lead to a commitment of any kind with another entity, it behooves you and them to actually get to know them. I Okay, I want to throw one last thing in, about, about this before we move on. One thing that I've been tinkering in my head, and I want to see if you think it's true, you can figure someone out within the first five minutes. What do you What do you hear? What do you What do you say to that phrase? True or myth or truth? I think some people can to some people, and those same people can totally not to something else. I think some people's energies are just compatible. Your past history can show you when someone is very similar to dynamics that you're used to, um, and especially if you have not had access or experience with someone like this new person, 
they can be giving you clear data about themselves for months and months and you still can't integrate it into mm. your understanding. So I think some people, absolutely, that can happen in certain contexts. And for those same people, I think it's like hit or miss. So yes and no. <laughs> I, 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 I'm a huge rule guy. I love rules, right? It, what's the what's the maximum amount of time that I, I should be like, I should have figured this person out by now? What What's the most time that I can invest in a person? And then I'm like, all right, if I don't know who they are, then I'm just a, a huge dummy right now. So you don't <laughs> like not having concrete lines. I hear that. But, <laughs> <it's not laughs> but I'm getting a psychological pro for, you know, the report's <laughs> going to be emailed to me after this. <laughs> but um, no, I unfortunately for your orientation toward concrete rules. Um, I think it really depends on the person. So, and it also depends on what is the reason and what is the need. If it is that proverbial, unfortunately in COVID, I did have clients where both partners lost their jobs. Wow. And when that happens, the decision-making process has to be quicker than if, you know, you're satisfied, but you know, <laughs> you're in your job, but you feel like you've reached your peak, you've learned a lot. Now you want to try something new. What's the next challenge? What's the next chapter? That's optional. Yeah. So you can, you know, maybe take your time, court the HR over there, the recruiter, get to know, research, all of that. Whereas if it's like, these bills will not be paid, we will be evicted, <laughs> then we we got to have some sort of way of like figuring this out like ASAP. So even with the same people, depending on the context where you are in life and what your needs are, really, I would say if you need something right away, then every extra minute you wasted, you're not being wise. But if you have time to spare, then take your time. You know, that's interesting because I, I think like, you know, I think people's true nature really comes out in an emergency. I, I think you really figure out pretty darn quickly. And, and maybe, maybe I, you know, one other philosophy that I kind of have in my head is that you know that you've met the right person when you've been with them in your darkest hour. That's like one of the rules that I have with, with dating is like, if that person is still with you in your darkest hour, that's a really good sign because sometimes a lot of people, they, they will meet somebody when life is good and joyous and wonderful and we're going to the Met and we're going to the cool sushi place and we're going to Six Flags and okay, maybe there's red flags left and right telling you who that person really is, but sometimes like the cushiness and, and, and the distractions kind of mask that a little bit more than in times of emergency. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not a couples therapist. <laughs> I, I, have, I have seen that be taken the wrong way also, where it's almost like people sometimes do, definitely not you, I, I don't know you well enough to say, but some people definitely do look for partners for the specific purpose of somebody who will like accommodate their weaknesses that they need to work on mm, and mm, if they didn't have that they would maybe be a little more accountable and so that that could work but it could be codependent also but it depends on the individuals involved and the person's personal motivation to change <laughs> so yeah no I, I i hear you on that i i hear you and and, and it's like it, it is it, it is like like i i guess i, I guess 
in this area, my rule, like I'm not going to get a, a series of rules and that that's okay. I, I'm going to just come to terms with that. I, I think <laughs> I, I, right. I you know, in two weeks when the moon is like this, then you know that you've seen that. No, no. Okay. But I, I think that a good takeaway is that once, once their true colors show and you, you're, you've identified them, whether it's two weeks, a month, whatever it is, then you have an obligation to, one, accept them for who they are in their true incarnation, or two, to then kind of walk away, right? And I think that- And I would say both are not mutually exclusive because really it doesn't matter how quote unquote bad, because I don't think people are bad, but quote unquote bad you think someone is, you still need to accept that that's who they are. And I think that's the issue. People don't want to accept it. Like accept it. Like if someone shows you who they are, great bad, indifferent, accept it. And then only when you accept it for real is when you can even decide what you're going to do, because otherwise there's some sort of denial going on and it will cloud your judgment. Yeah, this is something I, I have struggles with. Now, I, I've definitely, when I see someone that I quote unquote consider bad, right, I walk away. Like that's definitely something I've learned from, from an early age. Like, oh, these people are toxic. These people are bringing you down, whatever, walk away. I still don't feel good. Like, I don't know if I can celebrate their badness. Like, I don't get to a point where I'm like, what a wonderful bad person. You know, isn't it so nice that there's so that bad? You, the pre- <laughs> you have the premise that they're bad. With my opinion, it's more like, again, back to what we were saying before, actually prioritizing taking care of yourself. If somebody is presenting something that doesn't work for you, really, it's not your, you know, outside of it affecting you, it it's almost like it would be better if you didn't even bother to judge them because you just need to get away. Yeah. And, that's because what they're doing is not working for you and they can do whatever they want because they are them and they have their motivations and nine times out of 10, even psychopaths, like I was watching this, um, this special <laughs> about this psychologist who worked with serial killers, like exclusively. Yeah. And even she was able to see like the broken, traumatized people that they were do I need to be killed by you in order to feel for you? No, I do not. Please do not kill me. I'm out. However, I don't need to pass judgment if I'm not your therapist. Even that's another thing with therapists. People think I'm always analyzing them. I'm not. Like, I don't have time. So, like, do you, right? Do what you need to do. I just need to leave because this is not healthy for me. And I think the more time we take judging quote unquote bad people, the less time we are investing into making ourselves our best selves. Then there was, I, I, you know, me, I don't know, like there was a very controversial um, psych, psychological paper that I think someone with like extreme, you know, like a psychopath or extreme forms of like narcissistic personality disorder, sometimes like play up that my dad abused me, my, you know, this happened to me and so forth. And they kind of lull the mental health professional into like some form of pity as a, as a further means of manipulation. Is that ever the case or there's actually um there are actual like diagnoses like that about like lying for benefit lying just because they want to (laughs) um and then like lying for like medicine and things like that however 
in that special, it was on HBO. I wish I remembered <laughs> the name of it, but basically it, they corroborated with like actual like school records, things like that about like really significant abuse of many kinds over many years. There were like tapes involved and stuff. So like those things were corroborated, but yes, people absolutely try to manipulate professionals. I had a <laughs> Well, yeah, I can't disclose too much, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no worries. No, we're no worries. And I think that's, no, that, that's actually, I think even a, a topic for, an, you know, because I, I, we, I was doing an episode on prisons and we had this idea of like the incorrigible individual and if such a thing even exists and, and like, we could definitely talk about that another time. Very last thing. Um, is there ever, you know, let's say you walk away from somebody for a few years. It doesn't have to always be a, like, I, this is more of a friendship thing. Cause typically in romantic encounters, like, you know, once, once you break up, like I go cold Turkey pretty much. And, and I, I found that just to be the best thing. Like the on and off relationship has, you know, again, I, I'm not an expert on that, but I'm, I'm a cold Turkey guy. I do have friends, however, that I need to get away from and, or they, or they just (laughs) hope they're not listening right now. No, they can listen. (laughs) Hi guys. (laughs) Uh There's friends or there's also friends that just fade away into the clouds for a year or two. Like sometimes they fade away from you. Like, like, you know, they just, they just drift away and they're, they're involved with new friends or involved in new projects and new, new, a new chapter in their life is going on. And okay. We're just, we're on divergent paths. Love you. God bless you, divergent paths, right? And then they magically come back to you after a few years, you get that random text on a Tuesday. And is there anything that we can ever look for where it's like, okay, you know, two years ago, you weren't ready to be changed, but now now I can see that you are a changed person. Are there any kind of indicators like that? That, 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 and we are restricting ourselves to the 25 and above people, right? Mm-hmm. So do, do we have such indicators that we can look for of like, wow, it looks like you're in a much better place right now. And it's, it looks like you're ready to grow or again, grow has that value judgment. And I get mm-hmm. that, but like, you know. I think that in order to assess the value of a connection of any kind in the moment and must be done in the moment. Now, some people would absolutely disagree with that, but that is my opinion and that is how I choose to do things. I am not going to, now with some very real exceptions <laughs> that are very serious, I, if we're talking about friendships, I'm not going to judge you too harshly on what you did in the past. I am going to judge you <laughs> based on what you are bringing to this present moment Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how sustainable it seems. And I think that that would be my suggestion because true change only comes from within. And if they changed, then they changed. It is for me to assess is the level of change or the lack thereof going to meet my needs. It either is or it is not. Okay, so you you are a believer in what I call like the hard reset theory. Like, like, like if you, someone disappears for two or three years, you might want to give them a chance. Like there is a possibility. Well, I will say if you feel that you are very damaged by them, you also reserve the full right of agency to not mm, mm. reconnect. You absolutely 
do not need to reconnect if it is going to not meet your needs. Absolutely. Because sometimes some people may have hurt you so much that even if they completely change, you just can't trust them again. And that's okay too. You don't have to. You can forever withdraw your trust or your connection with someone, but you also can choose to see, okay, I will never be close with you, but maybe once every six months we can grab a coffee or you know maybe if we had like family connections involved we can check in every now and then i think boundaries around time boundaries around physical proximity boundaries around topics of conversation all of those can come into play and sometimes those boundaries are a full stop like no there will be no reconnection of any kind and that is 100% fine and everything on a spectrum between that and let us be best of friends forever because <laughs> we're great i think that's also possible too okay you kind of answered the question as well to ask that like and and there are instances where the hard reset and and then the person was willing to give the hard reset person a chance and it has worked out like there is it is possible to to sever yourself from somebody for five years they come back to you with but they're you know i think the expression was their tail between their legs or something like that and like, hey it's kind of a jerk back then or something I, i've really thought it over like those those things can happen yeah absolutely i know for me personally i there's one friend that I will always remember who basically was just an excellent influence, excellent person, super smart, just was really, really a great influence, taught me so much. And in my genuine immaturity, I was not able to meet their needs. And it was absolutely not malicious. It was just a lack of really understanding, maybe a lack of empathy, and but definitely lack of maturity. They just were more mature than me, regardless of our, you know, comparable ages. And, you know, they had death in the family, and they needed me in a certain type of way. This was before I was a therapist. And because I'm a therapist, I totally now understand why the way I did not show up was totally hurtful to them, totally egregious to them totally not okay and that they had the right to forfeit being close with me anymore and I will always regret I honestly don't have many regrets in life that is one of the few that I have and no matter how many years later I try to reconnect they're just not having it and I need to just accept that I wasn't there for them at that time. And if that is the boundary that they need to have in order to be okay with that, I can just, you know, send good energy from afar and let them live their life. Here's one last, like, when you have a big reset, should you demand an apology? Is there some onus for that person to make amends for previous uh, transgressions? Or does the big reset absolve you of all past behavior? And now you're just judging them based on who they are? Me personally, um, I would imagine that if somebody was very hurtful toward me and did not intrinsically want to apologize to me, that would more than likely um, indicate to me that I would need to keep a significant distance. But I never would demand an apology because I think that is me trying to change someone. It is efficient <laughs> and it unsustainable and it's not real it's not authentic it's not true i want 
to receive what people want to give me that's good. And I want to reject what people want to give me that's bad. But the common denominator is that I want them to want to give it to me. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So like the big reset happens if the if the first words aren't Trisha, I am so sorry. I was a jerk back then. And if they don't organically say that, then no matter how much coaxing you do, you're never gonna quite get it out of them because even if they do end up saying it it's a fake it's a fake apology well let me just clarify on the timing i mean i've had this happen many times to me <laughs> i'm a really great friend actually and so people <laughs> used to take me for granted a lot still do but um basically i get the reset all the time honestly and i don't need you to say it right away because i also have to empathize with you like this is a humbling experience. You knew you were wrong. You're trying again. And you know that I very well may not continue after this reconnection right now. So that being said, I, it doesn't matter if it takes hours into a, you know, a meetup for you to eventually say it. So yes. And even if it takes days or whatever, if you're treating me well now consistently, eventually we're going to need to talk about it that's not the same as you need to give me an apology, but we need to process it. But I'm also a therapist, right? So that's why I think that way. But um, if you, maybe it takes a while, sometimes it does. And then they say, look, I've been meaning to say that I'm sorry, whatever. It's, it's fine if it takes some time. And sometimes it doesn't take words. I think the best apology is changed behavior. Mm -hmm. If you, maybe, and this is, what people don't like to hear, there's a little more depth to this. Maybe you really were not sorry back then. Maybe that's actually exactly what you wanted to do. Mm. And now you have changed and you do not think that way anymore. Don't give me an apology that's not real. If you want to do well for me now, then do that. That's what I care about. I care less about your apologies and more about your changed behavior. I, I got you. And then you do have to kind of be very careful and monitor it, you know, and make sure that the behavior is, is in fact changing. I think to conclude, I, I feel a lot better about people. Like, thank you. Like you've restored some faith. And, and I think <laughs> like, like you, you really have a, a great deal because I think that we have, we can't have a reasonable expectation that people will change, but you just kind of need to walk away in order for that to occur. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't really get they they think if like the 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 common sense goes nag 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 and that's not that's not it's actually it's actually your your absence it's actually your absence that's going to perhaps invoke change by by you not being there or perhaps them having to soul search having to take some you know, lonely walks on 42nd Street by themselves and kind of contemplate who it is that they are. And I, I think it's, you know, it, it could be a little depressing that we can't change anybody in the moment that that initially is a little depressing. But I think it's also uplifting that, hey, if we just leave this person for five, 10 years, maybe, maybe just maybe they'll, they'll come back and knock on your door, a changed person on their, on their own. On but their own. I think a better thing is to unconditionally positively regard them have healthy boundaries that may not be leaving them alone but may mean keeping a certain type of distance in certain contexts but letting them know that they are valuable regardless of whether they change or not so no i don't believe in either extreme of 
nagging (laughs) (laughs) and I don't believe in the other extreme of thinking that your absence is going to make them change like that's controlling and that also doesn't work because people you can leave someone for a million years and they don't change if they don't feel like it and so being supportive genuinely accepting that person or deciding which is completely fine that no I cannot accept this person in this iteration and if that's the case walking away I and I like your thank you that's a really good addition because I, I I think you could you could also play the condescending role of like I'm gonna leave this person and then in 10 years they're going to be at my level or something and I, I like that you you checked me on that because that's that's also not really healthy mental behavior either because then you're see you're secretly hoping that someone's going to come back to you in a fixed form or, or something mm-hmm. like that so maybe 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 it's like saying to yourself geez, I, I, I can't really stand you right now, but I'm still going to wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's perfect. Trisha, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. This concludes the 91st episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.